Hey, this is Andrew here. Uh, I am uh, continuing my podcast here, as you can tell. And uh, today I've got Sarah Barry on the podcast. And, you know, one of the things that I like about Sarah is she is one of the most colorful people I have ever seen. You know, when we get into this podcast, we start talking about uh, the various ways in which she is um, full on way out there in terms of uh, her... Uh, exuberance as well as her her dress and otherwise and uh, i hope that you'll enjoy it because sarah is really just truly a, a fun and delightful person and sometimes when i make a podcast i uh i wonder if it makes sense or if it kind of goes anywhere and this one as i've looked back on it i think that it really has a deeper level of meaning because the things that we're talking about could be anything even though they're about our personal experiences I'm Andrew McGregor, and with each installation on this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices, into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts. Or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes, or catch it on Stitcher Radio or other services along those lines on your smartphones, or wherever you like. If you are looking to learn tarot, and you're looking to study from wherever you are in the world, please go to our events page on The Hermit's Lamp website, and check out all the courses that we have both uh, upcoming live events and previously recorded streaming videos and, and other great things. It is a collection of amazing teachers from around the world, and each uh, course is a grouping, uh, for the most part, of five different teachers, really focusing and digging in onto one topic, uh, Marseille-style tarot reading. Coming at the end of January 2016, a wonderful course on tarot and psychological approaches to reading. So welcome to the next installment of the Hermit's Lamp podcast. I'm here today with Sarah Barry, who lives uh, down under in Australia. And, uh, you know, I met Sarah at Reader's Studio uh, last year. And, uh, you know, we hit it off and, and I thought that uh, she had a lot of interesting things to say. So it's been on my mind to have her on for a while. So, given that maybe some people don't know who you are, um, what's going on? Who are you? What are you up to? Okay. Well, I'm Sarah Barry, as you just said. Um, I live in Sydney, Australia. I work in my own private office in Newtown, which is on Gadigal land. The um, people of the Eora Nation, the original custodians of this land. It's a great area to be in Sydney. It's very welcoming of different kinds of people um sometimes i get surprised by it because people come in like clients will come in from other areas and they go oh my god it's so weird in newtown i'm like is it doesn't feel weird to me but i mean it used to be a lot weirder but i guess the freaks are all leaving because it's so expensive now that's the but, story um, everywhere yeah. right <laughs> yeah it's the story it's the story it's unfortunate and sad um but yeah i've been a full-time tarot reader since 2003 and it was just the last two, two and a half years that I've been fully independent and not working in someone's crystal shop or bookshop, etc. Nice. So, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I saw recently that you had a very uh, honest to goodness, legitimate looking sign for your place. Ah, oh, yes, I know. It's How so is funny. that working out for you? Is, is it making a difference? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've already had a couple of text messages from people saying I saw your sign and on King Street and yeah and, and this is this is like a uh, a shiny brass plaque right yeah, like this yeah. is, oh, this is like a a super like 
you know, if, if you went to, uh, you know, your doctor's office or like the dentist or, you know, I don't know, your lawyer or whatever, you know, you might see one of these sort of hung out front of their business, you know? And, yeah, uh, it's that kind of sign. Yeah. Just the cheap version. But yeah. <laughs> Nobody needs to I know did. that. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of obvious. Well, it's, it's lucky because when um, I was sizing up, there was a sign that was already there from a counsellor, psychotherapist who's also in the same building. And so I was just doing her measurements so mine could fit in with hers. And I realised that hers was also of a slightly cheaper quality. So I thought, oh, that's cool. It looks good. The cheaper quality in many ways looks good than the... Um, really super expensive <laughs> one but um yeah so it's that's fun um so I'm really enjoying having that sign I just sometimes I forget to look at it when I leave the office for the day and then I kind of go oh yeah there it is I feel very professional nice um yeah <laughs> that's awesome so the other thing that I uh really enjoy about uh you know seeing you on social media and stuff is yeah. uh, you and your bicycle. Yes, yes. Well, I was actually just going to mention my bicycle because it's that signage that I think has provided a good chunk of my clients over the year. And yeah, for anyone who, I'll just describe it briefly for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's just covered in lots and lots of fake flowers and silver chunky glitter. And I've got laminated tarot cards around the wheels. I change them every eight months because they get affected by riding through the rain and being affected by the Australian sun. And yeah, and it's got signage. So it's got a sign on the middle frame and then on the back of my basket and just basically says tarot readings of Psychic Sarah, my phone number, my website. And I've, yeah, there's really interesting stories that I've heard over the years. Like when I was working at a shop called Pure Botanicals, which is this great holistic health centre about a kilometre away from where I am now in Newtown and I'd always have my bicycle out the front and then one day I was told by the receptionist that there was this woman who kept on coming in and going out and like she was obviously trying to make up her mind she wanted a tarot reading and she'd come in and say oh how much is it and oh is she any good and okay and she would walk out and she'd come back in and then after about the eighth time she walked out and then she just kind of came in quite decisively and she said, is that her bicycle outside? And I went, yeah. She says, okay, I'll book in. Nice. <laughs> I said, yeah. <laughs> and then on one particular day, a woman, when I asked her how she found out about me, she said that she'd seen my bicycle around and she said she'd been thinking about it. And then she said on one particular day, she was in three far-flung places of Sydney on that one day doing errands. And I rode past her in three different suburbs all on that same day. <laughs> And so she figured that was a sign to book in with me. <laughs> but it's great. All I have to do is just ride around doing my own stuff. And yeah. it gets seen as a sign that I'm meant to be tarot reading for them. But yeah. <laughs> I, I do find, though, that people, um, not always, but some of the time for sure, those things are signs, right? Yeah, like, I think they are. You yeah. know, I, I had um, a few years back, I had uh, like an office on a main street here. And it was kind of upstairs, but I had a sandwich board out front and whatever. And this person came in and they looked at me and they're like, I was going to go to that other place. Because there was somebody else like three blocks west who, who had did readings. And like, I was yeah. going to go to that other place. But I must have walked past it. And then I saw your sign. So I guess I meant to be here, you know. Mm. And, I, and I think that those things do happen, though. I think it's interesting how, you know. Um, seemingly coincidental things trigger responses that are that are helpful, that are important. Yeah, I think so, and it, and it allows people to connect more with the the magic of life. And I remember um, years ago, I used to write in rainbow chalk on the pavement, just tarot readings of psychic Sarah and an arrow pointing to the shop uh -huh. all around the the station. The course at Pure Botanicals where I used to be, there was. Um, it was about 50 metres walk from the station. So it was, had a lot of tra um, traffic going past it, foot traffic all day. And this young woman came in because she was going to get back on the train to Newcastle, which is about I don't know, a few hours north of Sydney. And she saw my chalk 
writing and she decided that she'd look in for a reading. And then by the end of the reading, um, she realized that she'd actually seen me before, like in my first year of tarot reading when I was at this little in this little broom closet with a curtain in a crystal shop in uh-huh. on the North Shore of Sydney. And yeah, so it's just really funny, just that whole thing of she stops for this one day, she realized and she enjoyed that reading then, but she'd lost contact with me and she didn't know who I was or my name or anything. Yeah, yeah. And then she found me years later because of some rainbow chalk on the pavement. That's wonderful. Yeah. So have you have you always been so flamboyant? Oh gosh. <laughs> Sometimes I wasn't sure, but then when I look at photos of myself posing as a young person, I realize that I've always been a bit of a poser. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> I think it was when I started just before my sudden returns, I think something came over me. <laughs> and I started I realized I wanted a tutu. And uh-huh. so I asked my friend to make me a tutu and so I'd spend many nights riding around to her place. She had two kids and, you know, two cats, one of which I ended up adopting and we'd just all sit around making my sewing together tulle and I felt like I was making my wedding dress. It was really funny. But <laughs> so then I started wearing that tutu and I, I remember this first party I went to and it was a tutu and I had just a, a singlet top on and these big boots and... I think from that moment on, I just, yeah, that's when the tutu love started. And so I've been collecting tutus ever since. They're actually hanging behind me right now. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, yeah, just a gravitation towards color. And and it was a very particular day. I remember when I realized that I was about to go to that over the top point with my bicycle because I used to decorate it quite um I don't know, quite tastefully, just a few flowers, uh-huh. <laughs> just a couple of flowers on the handlebars. And when I realized that I had this desire to cover the whole thing in flowers and put chunky glitter all over it, I realized that, you know, I was reaching that turning point, which I could never go back from. <laughs> so I think it's it was more my mid to late 20s that the flamboyance started to really kick in. And I think it was just then because I was feeling a lot more comfortable in myself mm. by that stage. And I was meditating a lot more, which was helping me feel a lot more comfortable in myself. And then from there on in, the flamboyance started to come on. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, it's, it's funny because I, I mean, I used to be flamboyant. You know, I mean, I, I, used, yeah, I used to like, I was looking at, looking through some pictures, trying to find some good pictures of me from like high school and whatever, oh, cool. right. With like, yeah, yeah. you know, my 12 inch Mohawk and my, you know, yeah. like the whole whatever. And, uh, it's funny cause I look back at that stuff and I'm like, it's totally me, but I have no interest in it anymore. Like in, in being, yeah. you know, like, I don't know, sort of in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other hand, like we have, I have been acquiring rubber ducks for the store. And so we've got, I don't know where we're at. We're at like 12 or 15 rubber ducks in the store, you know, and they all wear the bracelets that are for sale here and stuff like that. And like, you know, we, um, uh, I found these like Valentine's mailboxes. There's these little tin things with hearts all over them. And so I'm yeah, in the yeah. process of using those for setting up the window and stuff. And I'm just like, you know, my my uh, my kitschiness has become externalized into the space that I work in, as yeah, opposed to yeah. sort of being externalized on my person in the way that it used to be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. You know, sometimes I wonder if <laughs> I don't know, because you know, I'm a vipassana meditator, so I practice vipassana every day, and I go and do annual retreats. You know, sitting for ten days in silence at least once a year, and I like to serve as well, so I go and volunteer my time at the center. Um, and a part of me thinks, oh, surely with all this meditation practice, I should be becoming, you know, a lot more zen and minimalist. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and instead, I don't know, just it seems to be exploding in the other direction. But I'm feeling a lot calmer, so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I, I think that um, I, I think that those two things that don't belong together don't necessarily belong together, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. no requirement that you that, that anybody be, you know, ordinary or you know wear monk's robes or you know plain yeah. linen clothes or you know like any of those things to be spiritual, right? I think yeah, that yeah. Um, yeah, I think that the 
the question is is why 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 does one do it and if one does it out of joy and excitement then mm. then that's that is fitting right and i think that yeah, if somebody yeah. does it out of you know i mean uh for me some of my punk rockness was was in opposition to people and the system and, and other mm -hmm. things and as i found different ways to relate and you know be active against those things where i want to be that external necessity for that has sort of dissipated in some ways mm. yeah i like that yeah and no you were gonna say something i was gonna say um when did you start doing vipassana um, 2005. Hmm. Yeah. And would you tell people quickly what that is? I, I always assume yeah, that yeah. everybody knows, but I, I yeah, don't yeah. think that's actually <laughs> true. So Vipassana, the word Vipassana means to see things as they really are, loosely. There's lots of different interpretations. It's a Pali word, and Pali is the language that's spoken at the time of the Buddha. It's uh, we couldn't really can't really say it's Buddhist because it's a non-sectarian technique. It, it does it is based upon the teachings of the Buddha, so it's an actual practical um, exercise of the theory of the Buddha, I guess. And because the Buddha taught people to come out of suffering, and so it's a meditation. It's like the bare bones of meditation is how I like to describe it. Um, mm. You don't have to believe in anything in order for it to work. Yeah. Um, on a 10-day, it takes 10 days, at least 10 days to learn it. And so to do a 10-day course, you spend the first three, three and a half days just observing the breath. And then the rest of the time, you're observing sensations in the body. And you're in your body the whole time. And I just remember on day four of my first course when we just received Vipassana for the first time. And I was really overwhelmed. I was actually crying because I realized that I'd come home. And mm. I, I hadn't known that I was looking for home so it was a really interesting experience and um yeah so it's been a very grounding everyday thing for me ever mm. since then that's awesome yeah. i yeah. uh i missed my vipassana window i think i mean uh. you know I, we'll see right <laughs> like i mean it may be something i do at some point but but most specifically i was in india and i was uh i was traveling to a place called shimla which is like um up in the mountains and sort of the the north north of where the deserts are and stuff mm. and uh and i was on my way to go um to hang out where the buddhists were you know in yeah. in uh in dharamsala and oh, yeah, um yeah. and so i arrive in shimla and i'm like you know I'm, in my mind i was like i knew that there was a vipassana and i had the day it started wrong and oh, so yeah. I, I arrived after spending because I had screwed up, I spent 36 hours on a train, which was oh. horrendous, right? And so I get <laughs> off and I've got my backpack and I'm in the mountains, so I can't breathe properly. And I'm like, I finally like, you know, find somewhere to stay, go over to check out. And they're like, it starts now. You can, you know, if you go and get your stuff, you can, you can start. And I'm like, I cannot. I just, yeah, I just yeah. spent so long on a train. I cannot. That's not going to happen, <laughs> you know. And then they're like, "Well, we're doing another one." Ten, like they basically have them continuously, right? And I was like, "Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not, I'm not going to be here in ten days. I'm going to be somewhere else." And that was, that was it, yeah. you know. And then since then, sort of never, uh, yeah, never kind of gone back to it. But mm. I hear wonderful things. I know lots of people who are very much into it. I think. Um when I was in India, my partner Megan, she's a Vipassana meditation as well. And, and that's, that's actually how I came to Vipassana. Um, I just want to check in. Can you hear me okay? Because the screen's freezing up a little bit. I can totally I hear you. But, oh, yeah. Cool. Great. So, um, yeah. So, we went to India and we were going to do a 10-day course in Bodhgaya. And we had the date well we had the dates right though right according to the website but because we'd applied through email rather than through the website um we hadn't received this email that said that the course was actually starting two days earlier and we'd just finished a very you know you know six day speed um buddhist pilgrimage trip around all around the north of india <laughs> it was really intense mm -hmm. <clears throat> and amazing and i loved it but we were very travel weary and and we realized, because we did get there and because we'd, um, we were old students, we'd done a number of courses before we were allowed to start the course, even though it was, we were two days late. Um, we did 
discuss at the end, would we have done, would we be able to start if we, because we did it, we were actually in Bodgaya on the day that the course started, mm-hmm. so we just didn't know that it was starting and so we were just going to the temple every day and just hanging out and yeah, but I don't think we could have started because I really, I really get that travel weariness of going around India with all the potholes and the heat and the noise yeah. and everything. Um, to go straight into that that silence would have been a really intense thing. Exactly, exactly, yeah. for sure. Uh, how long did you spend sitting under the tree? Oh, probably. I think I think we actually did do one of our. Uh, probably at least an hour or yeah. so. I didn't always sit there just because it's a very busy. Have you been to Bodh Gaya? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, and so in Bodh Gaya is yeah. the uh, is the bow tree under which the Buddha was enlightened. And I I was um, I was lucky when I went. I was there during the off season. I was there um, just as the just as the monsoons were getting ready to start. And um, and when I went there, there was nobody there. Like I was, wow. I, I was in there in the, the temple space where there's this huge old bow tree, you know, just to describe it for people and all these little, um, uh, little sort of temple offering stacks of stones and, and things. And, you know, and, and I was there by myself. I don't think I saw anybody else when I was there. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, and so I sat there and then I went and sat by the, the pond and, you know, like I just, I spent a lot of time just. I must have spent half a day just sitting there, hanging out, wow. picking up the vibe, and then and then sort of walking around and going and checking out some of the temples and stuff. And they were also all predominantly deserted. You know, I guess at that time of year, a lot of people, because it's super hot, head north up into the hills and stuff to try and cool down. Mm. So, yeah. Wow, what that's a very special experience because that's very rare to find somewhere where there's not many people in India. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Same when I went to um, I don't remember the name of it now where where the Buddha first preached the Dharma. You know, there's a spot where he where he first preached the you know the fourfold. Oh, saunas. That's right. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, I I went there. I had somebody take me there, and um, and same thing. There was nobody. There's just nobody there at all. I don't know. Just lucky, I guess. Wow. Really yeah. lucky. Yeah. yeah. I think well, we were there in the, it was very hot when we were there, but it was the, what's called the neither, neither hot nor cold season, <laughs> yeah. which, which is stinking hot. Yeah. And um, yeah, so there were a lot of tourists, uh, mainly Indian tourists and Sri Lankan tourists rather than foreigners mm. like us. And we did do our evening meditation at Sarnath in Deer Park and that was really beautiful. But I remember at one point, and this happened a lot all around India, it happened all around Burma as well when we were traveling in Burma a few years ago. Um, people would always would open our eyes to people taking photos of us meditating. They just found it so shocking that these two white ladies were just sitting there meditating, dressed appropriately, modestly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. And once I caught a monk actually taking a photo of us meditating. And I think it was one of those moments where I was like kind of on an angle, half asleep with a bit of drool coming out. Like, oh, <laughs> Great. Now I'm going to be on the internet. One of those regular moments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a day-to-day meditation yeah. thing that happens. But yeah, so people were taking photos of us whilst we're meditating. But then we're really um, struck by just the generosity of people because then we went to the Sri Lankan temple at Deer Park where they do the chant, the Dhamma Chakra. I uh, can't remember the name, but that's the first the, the first teaching that the Buddha gave, mm-hmm. and which is the Wheel of Dharma. And so the place was packed full of um, people pil- on pilgrimage from Sri Lanka, and they're all so dressed so beautifully and white. Even that was hot, they won't seem to be sweating at all. And we were like, it's really dirty and smelly. And totally. We wanted to come and listen and we were just standing at the back and they all um, kind of forced us in to sit right down in the middle, you know, and just they all moved over to make room for us. And then the chanting, the monks to the chanting and it was really powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how some of those moments can just be so profound. Mm-hmm. I did, um, I was in Varanasi for a while and, uh, and, you know, Varanasi's right on the river, on the Ganges and, um, one of the one of the best things to do if you're ever there is to like go on a boat tour at sunset or sunrise. Yes. And uh, and so I was there, and uh, you know, me and this other person were out in this, and the the guide were out on this boat, just you know, sort of floating along the river. 
and right at the edge, um, they were doing a puja, and mm-hmm. um, and they had all these little candles lit, and they were resting on leaves, and then the leaves were put into the Ganges, and they all floated out around wow. us, right? So yeah, there are all yeah, these people yeah. singing and doing this stuff and this. You know, and, and then the light came out into, because it was getting dark, right? And we were still out on the river. Yeah, it's amazing. Some of those magical, magical moments, you know? Yeah. Varanasi. Yeah, it's intense. Like, I remember we were there for four days and I couldn't get this feeling out of my head that I was going to die. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, but it was cause it was just the whole energy because people go there to die. That's the place where people go sure. to die in India. And, and all day there's people burning at the, at the edge of the Ganges and sitting down. We spent a, an amazing half hour or so just sitting near the, the burning guts and yeah. There's the the Hindu one that we visited, but we couldn't get too close there. And then there's the one for everyone else that wasn't Hindu. And that was really, it felt so sacred just to be watching the bodies burning up so close. And But it wasn't actually, and I'm, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned going out in the river because I would recommend to anyone who goes to Varanasi, go out in the river because it wasn't until I went out on that boat and that was on the final night that actually it really grounded me. Yeah. Like it, I just, I felt that fear go out of me. <laughs> so I'm going to die before I leave Varanasi. And it's like, oh no, yeah. I, can, I can go. <laughs> I'd already been in India for about two months by the time I got there. Oh, so okay, I was yeah. like... I was both uh, fearless, rightly or wrongly, and uh, <laughs> you know, and um, and pretty comfortable. But uh, I I did go where um, the, where the Hindu burning space is, and uh, the the person who tends the fire invited me in, and so Ooh. I got to go and stand, you know, feet from this fire that. Uh, you know, according to according to them, has been burning for five thousand years continuously, right? Yeah, and wow. you know, just the the magic of that, right? And watching mm. people's relationships, but um, but it's a it's a crazy place, and mm. and it's the the problem I had there was I was continuously lost. <laughs> like yeah. I, I literally, you know, there are all these laneways that you know, if you stood sideways and put your arm out you would touch the other side of the laneway kind of, you know, like yeah, it's not big yeah. and it's yeah. just winding and irregular and you can't get any perspective on anywhere because there's nothing but just buildings and things that turn. And, uh, and then there's all these water Buffalo just wandering around. Right. Yeah. And half blocking yeah. the laneways. I love that. And goats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, so period, like I would, I would routinely find, like find myself being like, I need to get back to my hotel. I have no idea where I am. And so I just find somebody and I'd be like, do you know where this hotel is? And they'd be like, yeah. I'm like, if you take me there, I will pay you this much money, whatever yeah. it was, because I don't know where I am anymore. If you take yeah, me anywhere yeah. else, I won't pay you anything. And so then yeah. like, and especially kids, like I would ask kids because the kids all knew and they were yeah. super happy yeah, yeah. to make, you know, make some money. And uh, yeah. yeah, then they, and the best was like, I was literally like a hundred feet if I had walked forward and around the corner. I would have been there <laughs> and the kids like, you know, five rupees or whatever I had said. And I was just like, oh man, here you go. <laughs> yeah. Yay. So well, India, I. Oh, go I ahead. Gonna say. I was just going to say, I yearn to go back there, but then I go, oh, there's so many other places I want to go to as well. But, um, I certainly, yeah, need to go back there. The traveling when you're there traveling around in the roads, it's like, oh, yeah, you can kind of do it. But then when you go back to nice, smoother roads and, <laughs> and less inconveniences, it yeah. kind of makes it harder to get yourself ready for it. No, but, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and especially when I was there, my goal was to travel as cheaply as I possibly could mm. and stay in yep, the cheapest yep. possible places I could find. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily the most advisable course of action, but, you know. <laughs> but... Uh, so when did you when did you start reading cards? Uh 2001 is when I started learning. Uh-huh. And then and then I went professional in 2002 and then went full-time in 2003. So I did it all quite quickly, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it felt like I, I can't imagine having done it any differently and even though those first few years the full-time were quite ridiculous and I was very fortunate to have a mum that I could ring when I was short on the rent yet uh-huh. again. Um, yeah, I was, and so I'm very grateful to my mum for 
not just going, why don't you get a proper job or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> they just went, oh, okay. So, yeah, and I remember my, when I told my dad that I was going to go full-time, Tara, he really freaked out. and I didn't freak out. Or He just said, why don't you open a pie shop? And I was like, why? I've never worked in a pie shop before. I thought it was really strange. And, and then I realized it was quite a, an interesting perspective because I would, I'd been to art school and I had these ambitions to be an artist. And, and he was always saying, oh, no, it's better if you get a, another kind of job that will pay the money. And then when I became a tarot reader and he introduced me to some workmates, he introduced me as an artist. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting that he preferred to introduce me as an artist than a tarot reader. <laughs> that's a, even, tarot readers <laughs> even lower than artists, right? Oh, my God. Lower than but pie shop he's... person. <laughs> but now I'm totally – he's totally into it. He's – um. He, you know, if he goes for a site, he's an engineer. If he goes for a site inspection in Newtown, he says, do you know my daughter, Psychic Sarah? She works just down the road here. And so he, yeah, nice. he really likes it now that he's got the tarot reader daughter. But, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's hilarious. What, yeah. um, what did you do in art school? Uh, I did an undergraduate in um, print media, printmaking, uh-huh. and then I started to move more towards photo media. Um, and then I did a Master of Arts in photo media after that. The Master of Arts is kind of cheekily called that. It was just really Master of Arts by coursework. So there wasn't a, mas- a massive thesis to write or anything. It was uh-huh. just doing a huge body of work. Um, but the photo photos that I did was less about taking photos, even though I do enjoy taking photos. It's more about creating um, plates, which I'd then, like, so I'd be in the print room and I'd make um, paint onto perspex. And then I'd take that perspex plate into the dark room and use that as the negative rather uh-huh. than the photograph negative. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Neat. And I did. I made the major arcana of the tarot, my own version, in two thousand and four, in using that method. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've still got a few. Of, I've got a few of them up in my office, and the rest are just sitting underneath the bed. But yeah. yeah. How do you it's feel about real, them? I I like them, but it's just. Um, I mean, that, I did them very early on, it was 2004 and I only started to learn about the tarot in 2001. So it was very early and I guess the way that I did them was very much about the essence of the cards rather than a pictorial, you know, being able to say, oh, that's the emperor because of this particular image or this particular symbol. It was mm-hmm. very much about the colour and the feel. So they're very abstract in that way. Um, so I do, I enjoy looking at them, yet I don't feel this compulsion to do anything more with them at this stage anyway. Yeah. That's awesome. It's fascinating. I, um, I made my own deck three years ago, something Hmm. like that. I did a set of majors called Tarot Waiting to Happen. And it's, um, the idea is what happens just the moment before the card we're accustomed to seeing. And how does that help us understand the story and the you know the ideas that we're we're used to getting to you know what what about that informs the emperor's power or the high priestess's you know connection or you know those kinds of things and it's very fun and uh, I do I have some sheets a couple of print sheets of like the whole deck and I have one hanging in the reading room um, but. Uh, but I often find that I forget that I made it in some ways, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like it's yeah. just this funny thing where I'm like, oh. And even the, the artwork, <laughs> like I, I participated in um, the Alora Tarot Project, which was a, a deck by um, a bunch of artists in a sort of smaller city just north of where I live. And, uh, you know, because I'm pushy, I got myself included, even though I don't <laughs> <think that. laughs> no, I, I messaged Shelly who did it and was like, hey, Shelly, I really want to be involved. And she's like, great, someone just dropped out, you're in. And uh, and today I had somebody in um, who I have the painting on, on the wall in my reading room. And uh, and she was like, that painting is why I'm here. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and and she was like, yeah, I uh, someone gave me the deck. And I was flipping through and I saw your card and it inspired me. And then I looked you up and realized you were a reader. And, you know, and, and then I'm like, Wow. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. So Yay. yeah, oh. especially because the deck is so stunning, right? Like it's one of those. Uh, in hindsight, I feel like my card does totally belong, but at the time when I went to the opening and looked at all the other work, work I was like, 
oh my god, how did they even allow me to, to, to even attend this show, let alone, you know, be in the deck, right? <laughs> you know, that, that kind of crazy, like, art, like, ah! <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, well, there's so many different ways of creating that sort of thing, so it's really hard to compare, and, and when we do compare, it's just it's traumatizing to compare our work to others because we've all got such different ways of expressing it. And, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what deck, uh, what deck did you start with? The Rider Waite. Uh-huh. Yeah. So my sister gave me that deck in, I think in 2001. I don't remember if it was for Christmas or my birthday. I think actually my birthday. We were living together at the time and she just came upstairs into my little loft room and gave me the deck. And I remember it was really funny because, I mean, she's really good at encouraging me, you know, to you know, to see my potential and she does it for everyone. She's like, right, she sees people's potential and she wants to encourage them to live to their fullest potential. And and I think she might have even said, it, yeah, this, now you can be a tarot reader, even though I had no tarot knowledge at the time. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I remember going through the book and it reminded me of rote learning at school and I just got really frustrated and I flung the book at the wall and said, right, I'm never going to be a tarot reader. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> And then... I think a few months later, I just said casually to this woman that I knew who taught tarot sometimes, I'll do your next tarot course. Yeah. And and then a few months after that, she said, okay, well, are you going to do this tarot course? Because one's coming up. And I said, oh, look, I can't really afford it right now. And, and she said, look, just come and pay me when you can because I've only got two other people in the class and I need to have at least one other person. Uh-huh. So. I went along and the way she taught was very intuitive. It was without the book and, and it was through that particular weekend workshop that I felt that I had a grasp on the cards and then I just started doing readings for anyone that would let me do readings for them. And yeah, and then that's when friends and family started encouraging me to go professional and then eventually I started doing that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, for, for a long time, I never even considered that being a reader was a possibility. It never Mm -hmm. even occurred to me. You know, I started, I got my first deck, um, when I was 13 and, Mm. uh, you know, so a few years ago now and, uh, and, uh, you know, so I spent a lot of time, uh, reading for myself and reading for some of the people who were in the sort of ceremonial community that I was in, you know, some friends and stuff. And that was always, super private, super like withdrawn from the world kind of thing. And then, and then I, I was doing design work and hating it. A friend of mine was like, man, you're a better reader than me. I'll get you a job. And, uh, so he got me a gig working for a website and then, and then he left his place at the store. And, and even through that time, I was always like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll become a tattoo artist. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go get a psychotherapy master's and become a therapist. Maybe I, and like, just to sort of like, and then, you know, and then there sort of came this point where I was like, yeah, you know what? I actually really do like this. All right. Let's see. Let's see what we can do here. You know? Yeah. So it's kind of, kind of funny, the, the meandering road, right? Yeah. And particularly funny, the meandering road for a profession where, you know, you'd expect to get this bolt of insight very early in your life and going, you will be a tarot reader. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, just cruising along. And yeah, because yeah, I, I just did it for a bit of fun, really. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just do a bit of tarot reading just for a bit of fun and that will support my art practice. Yeah. And then after a few months, like, ah, oh, forget about the art practice. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, for me, the bolt of inspiration was not long after I got my deck, I was in a very serious accident. And after that, I was basically like, I need to understand everything. Yeah. Like, I need to understand the nature of existence, basically, you know? And so, you know, so, like, I was just, that was it. Like, every spiritual person I could find, I would grill them. And Mm -hmm. I read everything that I could find. And, you know, just this sort of, like, this runaway uh, devouring attention for understanding philosophy and psychology and and mysticism and magic and all those kinds of things. So, mm. yeah. yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I think, I think there was more a bolt of insight for me just to get on the spiritual path in the first place. Not so much for the the tarot initially, because I did have a tarot reading. My first tarot reading was when I was eighteen. I was at the 
some festival in Byron Bay, which is, um, for those who don't know, it's kind of like, it's renowned as a very hippie kind of spiritual, new agey kind of place. And I was there and I thought, oh, yeah, just had a tarot reading. And I was like, oh, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't overly impressed or wowed by it or anything. It was a fun thing to do. And I had a coffee cup reading and he did a few different things. And when I did start on my spiritual path, it I started moving towards it because I'd had these very strong intuitions about things for some years but every time I tried to follow up on them with like a an adult let's say oh no that's silly no mm. this no that so I found that I was ignoring my intuition and then the shit really hit the fan and all these really horrible things happened to me and when I was quite oh, I was 18 19 and from that point on I realized I'm never again gonna let someone trump my intuition mm-hmm. and I think from that point I just wanted to learn as much as I could about how to trust my intuition so that I could know that it was my intuition, not just a fear or a fantasy. And, um, yeah. And so that's when I started like going to meditation classes and, you know, little goddess circles and that met at the full moon and the new moon and, and tarot reading. Yeah. Well, and that's the, that's always the sticking point, right? Like I find even, even now, you know I mean? Cause I've been, I haven't reading the cards for 30 years Mm -hmm. and, you know, even now, like I, I always kind of thought, well, I'll get there. Like I'll get wherever there is, right? I'll arrive at some place where I'm just like clear and confident about it. And it's just kind of, I mean, it, it's not that I'm unconfident about my practice because like people showing up for readings and me reading for people is like, eh, whatever. Like I just, I show up, I do it. It works out. Yeah. It's good. But but there's always like new levels and there's always just sort of like deepening for me anyway of the practice and so on and, mm-hmm. you know, pushing myself in different directions. And that always brings back that like, oh, this feels like the right thing. Is that really you intuition or is this just my, my hopefulness coming out? You know, my, my baseless optimism that's going to run us up on the rocks. What's going on here? Yes. And because intuition, it's not like a, I don't know. Well, for me anyway, my intuition doesn't say this, do this, and this will happen. It's like, wear those pink shoes <laughs> or wear, this, wear that dress. And uh-huh. That's actually how I met my partner. I think I I was about to, you know, I was getting ready for the day and it was a day off and I, was, I knew I was going to be riding all over Sydney that day with different errands to do. And I had this intuition to wear this pink and red swirly skirt. It's very long, very flowy, goes out quite far. And I said, wear this. So I had this intuition to wear this skirt. And I remember thinking, but that's really impractical. I'm about to ride all over Sydney all day. It's made of polyester. It's flowing. It's going to get caught in my chain. But then I just had this overwhelming thing. It's like, okay, got to listen to intuition. So I wore it. And towards the end of that day, I ran into, and I didn't actually know that well. We had just a mutual friend. And she said, oh, my God, they're my two favorite colors. You should totally come to my party next Friday. It's a red party. I went, oh, okay, cool. You know? Nice. It's <laughs> wonderful when that I works wasn't, out. Yeah, and then there, that red party kind of changed everything. But it's, yeah, so intuition. So I'm all for intuition being quite superficial at times and about if it says what to wear or you know, what cup of tea to drink, whatever, I'm all for going for that because sometimes it does develop in quite mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never quite, you can, I, I find you can notice the direction, but you can never have a clear sense until afterwards of the implication, right? It's like yeah, synchronicities. Yeah, yeah. You're like, huh, that was very synchronous. Now I need to reflect on what it means. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So do you still make artwork? Mm-hmm. I, not really. I mean, I think the creativity of me just extends more to my bicycle nowadays <laughs> and <laughs> and what I wear and uh, making, sometimes I make outfits for particular events that I go to and my, just decorating my tarot office. So I'm, I'm very, I'm more attracted to the immersive experience of creativity nowadays I guess so creating spaces for people to come into that Mm. are decorated in a particular way to create that sense of calm and connection and um, and then just being like a movable art object on my bicycle rather than having something that's hanging Mm -hmm. on a gallery wall necessarily and and 
was never really that kind of artist anyway. It wasn't really my forte to produce something that's really ex excellently executed that would hang on a wall and people would wow over. I'm a bit too messy in my application for that. So, mm -hmm. yes, more moving sculptural kind of stuff is more my style, I guess. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I recently, well, over the last couple of years, I basically for a long time after art school, I made nothing. I graduated mm -hmm. art school. I'm like, I was. It, it, the school I went to was all postmodern theory, and I was like, I I don't care. I'm just interested in aesthetics and mostly religious art. Um, mm. And so I didn't make anything for like ten years or maybe even longer. And then, uh, and then a number of years ago, now a friend of mine did a show that was all paintings of uh, the Virgin Mary, mm. and and I was like, and it was just like an open show. I'm like. I could do that. You know, I was yeah, like, it just caught yeah, my yeah. attention. And then since then, you know, it's hard to remember how far back that was. It's like six or eight years ago, maybe. Mm. And, um, yeah, since then it's just, you know, it's been ramping back up and then I've been making art that is the tarot reading now. So ah. I started making these things for people that are, um, uh, mostly I work digitally. So I'm drawing on my iPad yeah, and yeah, the yeah. Drawing process kicks out a video of yeah. the creation process, and so like as I'm working, I'm sort of starting from a card, channeling and engaging my intuition and spirit and whatever, making yeah, yeah. the artwork through to a completed image at the end, and then taking that video and doing a bunch of editing work with it, putting music on it and other things, and making this sort of like, you know. Th couple couple to five minute long video that that takes people through what they were asking but there's wow. no but it's all like one of the things i say about it, i'm like you know I, i'm trying to pull people into a dream where they will find the answer right like i'm not mm -hmm. looking to tell people things it's not yeah, like yeah. you know it's not like oh we'll do this do that like it, that's that's what regular readings are for these mm -hmm. ones are for like you know uh like the one that i that i posted the other day um, the person asked me, I feel like I've forgotten something important at a soul level. What is it? Mm. And I'm like, that's a, that's a great question. I can do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah, stuff like that, which is really fun. Mm. So yeah, I'm kind of, and, and, and this is one of those things where it's, uh, I, it's nice that it's been very well received. But I was like super unnerved to put it out there, you know, because I'm like, mm. my intuition says it's good, but I don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'll have to go and look at it now. That sounds amazing. Mm. Yay. That reminds me, I remember when, when I was young and um, I guess becoming aware of my intuition, but not really knowing that's what it was. And I thought everyone had strong intuition and would just follow it. And I remember I, I, I would create sculptures to help me divine things uh -huh. and like just at least found object sculptures and it would like often just include what's in the house. It might be like empty toilet rolls or stuff and, you know, books and bits of ribbon and stuff and then just kind of create this sculpture and then I'd look at it and then I'd, I'd, I would have asked a question and then I'd give myself an answer after looking at the sculpture. Nice. <laughs> and I remember because I was really obsessed with Catherine Hepburn, I remember you know asking when will she die <laughs> you know and doing this sculpture and I went oh in 1996 but she didn't but she was she died in 2003 but she was 96 when she died so uh -huh. I was like, oh yeah I was kind of right <laughs> that's awesome I really uh I really enjoy watching my kids play with these things mm. so my youngest Irene um she uh set up her desk in her room and she would have office times and people would come and she would tell you the answer to your question. Oh, and, and like, <laughs> they, they were like, it's, the one that I remember is my, my partner was like, well, when am, when am I, like, how am I ever going to get good at playing my ukulele? When can I find time to play my ukulele? And yeah. uh, so, you know, Irene looked at my partner and then wrote on a piece of paper, now. <laughs> and, <handed it>, like, <laughs> and especially because she was, you know, five, maybe at the time, it was a little while ago, it was spelled N-A-W because it's all phonetic <laughs> for her, right? So it's like, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all caps, you know, and, and yeah, she would dispense wisdom like that in, in a variety of ways, which was always really awesome. So, wow, yeah. great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so 
You're going to be at Reader's Studio this year? Yes. yes. You're going to be doing a thing. I think, yes. I'm doing the same thing as you, but just on yes. a different day. Yes. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Tell me. What's, what's your thing? <laughs> My thing is hosting one of the breakfast roundtables. So yeah. I'll be doing the Sunday morning. Yeah. And, and, and what are you going to be... What are you going to be talking about? Well, what was it? Let's see if I can remember the theme that I came up with. It, it's um, looking at tarot readers as lighthouse keepers and using practical and intuitive ways to guide ourselves and others through dark and stormy waters. I like it. Yeah. So we'll be doing that during Mercury Retrograde. It should be fun. <laughs> is Mercury going to be retrograde then? I hadn't checked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, that's goes, perfect. It, it goes retrograde the actual the day that it starts. So yeehaw. Wonderful. I That's, know. Uh, I think it's going to work well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> especially because uh, on Saturday I'm doing my thing. And, yes, and my yes. thing is um, lying, deceit, and shenanigans in the tarot reading process. Mm. How to bring the trickster into your readings, you know? And I'm mm. going to be sort of setting up um, – setting up uh, sharing some ideas and sort of setting setting things in motion around you know how how do you where does ridiculousness belong in the readings you know mm. like i remember one time i was reading for somebody and they um there was a card in the the charioteer i think it was and was they were carrying a crown and whatever and i was like look at the thing and i'm like when are you gonna be ready to put your crown on and they're like i don't know and i'm like wait <laughs> sit right there and I got up and I came out to the other part of the space and uh, got some, some golden colored paper and made a little paper crown and went back in and made them wear it for the rest of the reading, you know? So like that kind of stuff and, and, you know, like ideas around, you know, when, when does not being honest serve the process, you know, and in what ways and stuff like that, because, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a thing that is, that is really helpful and really can be horrible if you don't kind of handle it right and whatever. So yeah, it's going to be fun yeah. and to have Mercury retrograde during that time. It'll be uh, just the right energy. So you're auspicious, I would think. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I remember um, the first event that I did um, during tarot readings events, that's in 2004, I think. And or early 2005, and I had no idea what I was getting myself in for, but it was two hours nonstop, and now I do, you know, for longer nonstop readings, but at events, but so this massive queue and just people after people, like I don't know how many people I saw that night, um, but I, I noticed in myself that I was getting more and more ungrounded the further along in the evening we went, and and when the final woman sat down and all the, the cards that she pulled out were like every single scary-looking card you could hope to see they're all there in front of her I remember I just kind of looked around. I know it looks really bad but it's not <laughs> <laughs> and then because I was just so woo with all the readings I started to sing her tarot reading to her I don't know uh -huh. what I said but she seemed to really enjoy it and she had a bit of a cry and then she went away but yeah I, I like that idea of bringing the ridiculousness in because it seems that yeah. sometimes it's exactly what people need yeah did, did did she implode later on did like all of those <laughs> negative cards like just you know create a black hole in space and time yeah maybe i think so <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome mm. cool well so we're reaching the end of our time here but yeah where where should people find you where's where's your favorite place online Oh, um, sarahthepsychic.com uh -huh. is my website. And I've got a Facebook page, which is Tower Readings with Psychic Sarah. I post more regularly interesting little snippets from my life, tower related and my cat related and tutu related and bicycle related. <laughs> and that's on my Instagram, which is Sarah the Psychic. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I, I love Instagram. If you're if you're listening to this and you don't follow me on Instagram, um, <laughs> I am I am at the Hermit Slamp, and I honestly think that Instagram is the pinnacle of social media. It is it is the best thing, <laughs> yeah. you know. And and uh, yeah, I, I love the straight visualness of it. I rarely read anything anybody says about what they post, and uh, if people put too many words in their images, then I just stop following them because I'm like, yeah. no, 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 it's all about visual, it's all about the images, it's all about the, yes. the aesthetic and other things, and uh, yeah, I really truly love it. So, mm. awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, making time. You know, we're actually bending space and time 
to uh, yeah. to have this conversation because uh, as I stand here, it is almost eight o'clock on a Wednesday, and where you are, it is uh, almost it's lunchtime to, on a Thursday. Yep, it's coming up to midday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's hot. <laughs> right. 35 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is, 95 or something Fahrenheit. But it's not a heat wave, so yeah, it's, well, it's all good. <laughs> that that is uh, that is just great for you. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. <laughs> no, seriously, I want. So I'm ready for the cold now. I'm it, ready for the cold. <laughs> it was uh, it was minus 18 two days ago. Oh, okay, yeah, you, okay, yeah, yeah, I win. Very yeah, good. You win. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. So as always, I hope that you truly enjoyed the podcast and that it uh, inspired you. I have been crazy busy um, trying to push the edges of what a tarot reading might be, uh, doing these impossible readings that uh, that I've been doing. And I've sort of to settle on a format now, which is to uh, create a piece of artwork, which is the uh, answer to the person's question. But even more than that, to create a video uh, of the creation process and the unfolding. So it's kind of like stepping into the card and having it explode around you to music while you watch and explore the topics that the reading gets at. Uh, and then you also have this beautiful piece of artwork that you can uh, print and uh, and hang up on your wall and so on afterwards. So anyways, um, check them out. If you go to uh, the Hermit's Lamp and click on the services link there and uh, you will see the impossible reading there. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a sample up. So let me know what you think because this process that I'm doing now, I'm super excited about it, but I'm also um, it's pushing my comfort level, which is a good thing. But uh, I'd love to hear from people and and see what they think. Talk to you soon. Uh, Please share this. Please uh, consider going and reviewing us on iTunes or wherever else you are. That would be awesome. Have a great day. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And if I can ask you a favor, if you've enjoyed what's going on here, tell people about it. Help spread the word. Uh, One of the best things that could happen would be to go to iTunes if you're going from there and give the podcast a rating. Um, But, you know, sharing it on Facebook or mentioning it on Twitter or any of those kinds of places um, is is really helpful because, for me, I want to share this as far and wide as possible. And, uh, you know, there's only so much I can do of that myself. So if you're enjoying it, if you've uh, gotten some, some helpful stuff out of this, you know, uh, please do consider sharing that and saying what you got out of it and why people might want to check it out. Either way, uh, all the best for 2016. And I will be back shortly with another episode.